What is a hashtag? <laughs> In our day, it was a pound sign. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Hashtag was pound above the three on the typewriter exactly. board. Exactly, yeah. still is in my book. Yeah. So what is a hashtag? Do you do... Sorry. You don't do Twitter, do you? I don't do Twitter. So we don't do hashtags like that. It's it's um, depicting the media's look of marriage for all these years. Just the good little snippets. They're not seeing the day-to-day -day grind of what it really is. So no, it's not given a real picture. You see just the nice little fancy dinners out. You see when the kids are doing fun things at the park. You're not seeing the nitty gritty day to day. We got married uh, June 24th, 1978. And uh, wow. The one thing that's difficult is the basis of why people get together anyway. And when we talked as we were dating, you said, if we're going to go through with this, one thing has to be central, and that has to be a relationship with Christ. And so that had to be there. When you're centered in Christ as your focus, there's always a source to go to for help. Yeah. It's not just what he says, what I says, what the media says, what this book says. What does the book tell us? Yes. Where is that foundation? Where is the wisdom in Proverbs that helps us to guide and you know, the words of Christ encouraging us so that we can become the encourager and the support for each other. Now, Michael and Tracy are sitting back there. Why don't you guys stand up for a second? Just come on, come on. We just want to thank you guys. We appreciate the two of you, and I know you're a great example to my wife and I and to so many here, so thanks for, uh, for loving people, loving each other so well, loving the Lord so well, and for playing, playing, a, playing a big part uh, here at Genesis. Hey, if you've got a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to take it and turn to Song of Songs, chapter 1 uh, in the Old Testament. If you want to grab one of the Bibles on the floor around the room, it's on page six, uh, 468, and uh, we're starting a brand new series today called Relationship Goals, or hashtag. Uh, relationship goals. And uh, if you're not real familiar with social media and Twitter, uh, this is a frequently used uh, hashtag uh, in the social media world. And here's how it works. When, when people see something, maybe uh, see something that they would say, you know what, I want to emulate this in a relationship. And whether that's a, a beautiful or inspiring photo, whatever it may be, it's, it's common for people to tag it relationship goals. Well, we believe that the Old Testament book Song of Songs paints a, an ideal, a perfect picture. Uh, of relationship goals. And so I'm excited to study Song of Songs with you over the next month. Um, I've really enjoyed preparing for this. Uh, I've taken advantage of some great resources, uh, people that have influenced me, people like Tommy Nelson, Matt Chandler, David Platt, and a whole bunch of others, as well as the book, uh, The Song of Songs. And uh, if you're new to church uh, or if you're new to the Bible, Song of Songs, I got to tell you, can be a little tricky to understand. And part of the challenge comes from that you can view it from at least two different perspectives, all right? 
And the first perspective is this. The first is that you can view it as an allegory where it represents a picture of our God and his passionate love for his people, people like you and me. But there's a second perspective, and that is that you can view it as this passionate love story between King Solomon and a woman. And that's where we're going to spend a big part of our time together uh, each of these next five weeks. Now, if you don't know much about the Song of Songs at all, I got to tell you right up front that it gets a little steamy. Uh, It can get a little erotic at at times. And for that reason, I'm confident that everyone here is going to read it. And I'm confident that we're going to have extremely high attendance over these uh, next five weeks. But uh, just so you have a little idea of where we're going over the next five weeks, we're going to talk about things like attraction. Uh, We're going to talk about dating. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about sexual intimacy. And while we'll briefly touch on things like sex and purity most every week, I want to let you know right up front that sexual intimacy will be the main topic on Sunday, May 29th. And um, I want you to be aware. I hope that if you know me, if you know Genesis Church, you can expect that we will discuss this topic uh, from a biblical perspective. We'll talk it in a very sensible way. And uh, But I tell you all that because I want you to just kind of think PG-13 rating uh, throughout the course of this series. And so I tell you that because it's going to be up to you moms and dads to determine whether this is the best place for your children each week or to take care, uh, take advantage of our fantastic Gen Kids ministry uh, that we have here every uh, Sunday morning. But before uh, we really get started into this message today, I want to take a moment right up front and discuss something that on the surface might seem a little unrelated to you, uh, but it matters. And uh, what I want to do is I, I want to talk to you uh, just briefly about what you should look for in a church. All right, if you find yourself looking for a church, if you've been in a place where you've been exploring or looking for a church in the past, uh, what, 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 do you, what should you look for in a church today? Well, I, I think there are a lot of people today that choose a church based on the music. Uh, there are people that choose a church based on whether the pastor is interesting or not, whether he's funny or not. Uh, you might choose a church based on proximity of where you live. You might choose a church based on the facility or the kids' ministry or the student ministry. Uh, Let me tell you what I believe to be the most important in committing to a church, that in addition to joining a church that is committed to prayer, in addition to joining a church that is committed to following the Holy Spirit, um, you need to be a part of a church that is under the authority of Scripture. Uh, And so I just say to you, you you need to choose a church that preaches the gospel. You need to look to a church uh, that that, that looks to the Bible uh, for truth and is not just simply looking to our culture to determine direction. Now, why do I say all that to you first? Well, what I'm about to say flies directly in the face of what our culture has to say on this topic, and it's possible that it may challenge you and even your opinion even here today, and it's this. God created sex. He did. It's his. He invented it, every detail, every intricacy, and he gave it to us. I believe firmly, I believe the Bible teaches that sex is a gift. And because God created it, he alone has the right to say what it is for. And I believe, again, that the overwhelming story uh, found in Scripture, found both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is that his intent For this gift of sex is to be enjoyed between one man and one woman in the covenant of marriage. And that means that anything outside of those bounds is viewed as sin. It's sexual immorality. Now, our world says you can have sex with whomever you want, all right? Uh, It's all up to you. It's your choice. And unfortunately, what God created to be so good 
has been perverted and mistreated ever since sin entered this world. The Apostle Paul describes it like this in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. He says, hey, here's what it's become today. He says, although they claim to be wise, they became fools. He's talking about us. He's talking about our world today. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. He says, therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Here's what we did. Here's what sin caused us to do. He says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. And so I share that with you up front to just say this, that as we go through this series together over the next month, as we talk about attraction, as we talk about dating, as we talk about marriage and sexual intimacy, we're going to look to scripture for guidance, all right? We're going to do the very best that we can to say, hey, we want to be under the authority of scripture and allow this to shape our opinion and the way that we live our lives. Now, here's another thing as well. We're not going to point fingers either, all right? There's, there's no finger pointing in a series like this or should be at any time because it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not. We all fall short in some way. Uh, we all fall short of the glory of God and many of us in this area of sexual immorality. And that's why we desperately need Jesus. That's why we need him to be our Lord and our Savior and guide in all of these things. So let me, let me pray and uh, then we'll, we'll continue on together. Father in heaven, we are thankful and grateful to be here today. Thank you uh, for this church. Thank you for all of our guests that are here today and all the things that we have celebrated uh, so far. Father, we, our desire today is to come now under your authority and for you to speak to us. God, we're believing that every word that you have for us today, it's not going to fall flat, but that God, you can open up our hearts to receive it and change us and shape us so that we can become more and more every day men and women who are desperately seeking you and following you with all of our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to talk about a number of different things over the next weeks together. Today, I want to talk to you about attraction. I've titled this message, A, a Picture of Attraction. And I'll tell you this too, there's something in here for each of us. Uh, if you're single today, uh, we're going to talk about the qualities that you should look for in a future spouse. Uh, or uh, for this, uh, until that person comes into your life, if you're, uh, you know, if you're waiting or maybe you're already married, you know, what kinds of qualities do we want to see the Lord produce in us? Uh, so that these qualities strengthen our relationship, not only with him, uh, but for others in our lives. And uh, I like to say, you know, we see a few of these qualities spelled out in this very first chapter of the Song of Songs. So if you've got your Bible, uh, let's start uh, on page one of the Song of Songs with verse one there. Chapter one, verse one. Here's what we read. Solomon's Song of Songs, verse two. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. So we see there's a woman that is speaking here, all right? This, there's one that is kind of sharing these thoughts. Verse three, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the women love you. Now, right away, we meet the woman in our text here, all right? Again, these are her words. These are he, her thoughts. And she begins describing this man, Solomon, to whom she adores. She says these words, pleasing is the fragrance fragrance of your perfumes. Now, I don't know if anyone else is concerned by the fact that this guy's wearing perfume, all right? That's a tough start for him. I strike one uh, in my book uh, when I look at him, but very practically, what she's saying is she's just excited that this guy showers, all right? She's, she's saying, I'm excited you use soap, you know, and deodorant and brush your teeth. And if you're in middle school right now, these are just great basic life lessons, all right? Every day uh, to be practiced. We're going over these in our home right now. But, but is this really uh, a 
about the way that, that he smells? Well, maybe not. In this day, perfume was rare. Uh, it was very expensive. And because taking a bath was less convenient in this day, uh, oil like this was important for covering up uh, body odor. And so she's like, hey, I like this, all right? But then she goes on to say, your name is like this. It's like this rare, expensive, purified oil. In other words, you've got a good reputation. Uh, you have character. And in this case, if you're taking notes with us, the first quality, you have godly character. Uh, she points out that you have godly character. She says, you know, no wonder the other women love you. Notice it's not because he's attractive. It doesn't start because he's a hottie or anything like that. No, she says it's because your name is good. Your character is solid. This is a man, this Solomon at this point in his life is someone who is desperately seeking after God. Here's the thing for us. If you claim to, following, to follow Jesus, godly character is the most important thing you should look for in another man or a woman, another guy or, or a gal. Let me, let me say it like this. Whether, whenever you consider whether or not you should date someone or enter into a relationship with someone, the most important question I think that you should ask as a follower of Jesus is, is this someone who will lead me closer to Jesus or is this someone who will potentially lead me farther away from Jesus? You can't compromise on this. Right? This has to be a value that you embrace in your life. Now, I'll say this. I know that it works out for some. And I'm really thankful for the stories of couples where one person was following Jesus and maybe the other wasn't uh, surrendered to Jesus. But at some point in that relationship for that other person, they finally turn and they surrender their life to Christ. And those are great stories. We love those stories. God is capable of doing amazing things in relationships and in people's lives. But here's the thing. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee in this. And for those that are here today, for those that have been in a relationship like this or maybe are still in one today, I bet they'd be the first to tell you how difficult it really is. I've heard it said like this. One person said, singles who are looking for a love relationship should run as hard as they can toward God. And if someone else can keep up with you, then run the race together. Now, I know some of you are probably like, amen. Yeah, can you tell me where to find a man or a woman like that? Unfortunately, I can't do that for you, but I do want to encourage you today and say, you just keep trusting the Lord, all right? Because here's the thing, he knows what you need and he knows what's best for you and he knows how to meet those needs. And so if you're here this morning, if you're single and you want to be in a relationship, don't be afraid to pray and to pray regularly for God to put that man or to put that woman in your life. Pray that he has someone in mind for you, someone that has godly character. I, I just say to parents, as we think about those parents who were on the stage just a moment ago, if you're a parent right now with children, pray for your kids. Pray that they'll find a mate who loves Jesus, for, for whom Jesus is the most important thing in their life. And in the meantime, as you wait, focus on who you're becoming. I, I like how Andy Stanley says this. He says, become the person that you're looking for is looking for. Isn't that good? What's that mean? Well, one suggestion would be to look at the life of Jesus. You know, as you consider your own life, as you consider your own priorities and actions, and we know that Jesus is the very best model for us when it comes to godly character. And what is it that we see in Jesus that, that we can pray for God to produce in us? Well, we know that Jesus was fully dependent on God for everything. Are you? Are you fully dependent on him? We know that Jesus was committed to prayer and conversation with God, that it was essential for him. Are you praying? Are you, are you growing in this area of prayer in your life? We know that obedience was important to Jesus in every aspect. He was always living for God. He, he always looked to the word of God for guidance and for instruction. 
Do you do the same? We know that Jesus was giving the glory to God in all things, that he valued relationships uh, with others. These were a priority for him. Are, are you growing in these priorities? We need to ask ourselves, am I growing in these priorities right now, even as a single, in a relationship, or in my marriage, husbands and wives? Well, this applies to you. This applies to us. Are you dependent on God? Are things like prayer and reading the Bible and committing your life to a church and relationships with others a priority for you. Listen, I know that if you're young right now, I know that if you're getting ready to head off to college in the next year in the fall, that the temptation is to date. The temptation is to have a ton of fun and maybe get serious about your relationships in a few years or something. But let me just encourage you. I urge you today, don't make mistakes in your life right now that you're going to regret one day. And I'm not saying that Christians don't make mistakes. I'm not saying that Christian couples don't make mistakes. But seek people, seek men and women who have godly character. Make it a point and say, you know what, I'm not going to compromise on this. Make it a priority, you know, that whomever you decide to date or whomever you uh, decide to marry, just, just say, you know, I, I want to be with someone who loves the Lord. And so pray and ask the Lord to help. Pray and ask him to help you become more and more like Jesus. And so we want to look for people with godly character. Uh, and then let's continue on. Verse 4. She says, take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. All right, we rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. How right they are adore, to adore you. Let's not set aside the fact that she is very attracted to this man. There's something about him. All right, verse five, look how she gets very personal here. She says, dark am I, yet lovely. Daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Cater, like the tents of tent curtains of Solomon. She says, do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards, my own vineyard I had to neglect. Now, she has some sense of self-esteem here and some personal worth. As we see there in verse five, she says, dark am I, yet lovely. All right, so we like to see this esteem in her. That's good, all right? None of us should ever find our value in someone else, all right? And so she's finding her value uh, in the Lord. That's good. But, uh, but, but she recognizes a man's tendency to be a visual creature, all right? And, and so that's why she here is somewhat insecure and even apologetic about her physical appearance. Now, Why? Well, in our culture today, being tan uh, is seen as, as attractive. But back then, light or fair-skinned women were considered far more attractive. Here's why. Those who were lighter-skinned spent less time in the sun, which typically meant that they came from more financial needs, which mean they had to do less physical work than someone else. So for this woman, she's got a farmer's tan, I guess you could say. I think that's what she's confessing to. Her skin is dark, all right? We know that she's had to work hard. Life hasn't been easy for her, so she says, Hey, don't stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. And then she goes on to say, my mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards, my own vineyard I had to neglect. And so not only is her skin dark, but I believe what she is saying here is that she's got some emotional wounds too, all right? She's got some baggage, you know, around her life, don't we all? Here's what makes this story so good, and here's what we're going to see together throughout this series, how we're going to see how this man gently and tenderly falls in love with this woman and how he's going to take care of her and love her in spite of her insecurities, and they're going to learn to trust each other, and so that's the second quality you should look for in someone you're attracted to. It's someone that's trustworthy. 
All right, it's someone where there's just this growing trust in your relationship and get, getting to know each other. I mean, watch this couple. You're going to see it for yourself. They're going to spend time with each other. And you're going to see how she's going to open up about these insecurities. Her, her transparency and honesty is a sign that she is learning to trust this man. Here's the thing for us. When you become attracted or start spending time with someone, whether you're in a dating relationship yet or not, at some point, you're going to have to ask yourself, is this someone that I can trust? All right, uh, you've got to ask yourself this. Is this someone who will love me for who I am and, and for what God is doing in my life? Is this someone who defines beauty not only by what they see on the outside, but also on the inside as well? Is this someone that I can trust? Can I just say this to men for a second? Men, can I talk to you for just a moment? Our world portrays beauty in a totally unrealistic way, and therefore it puts an enormous amount of pressure on women and girls I mean, just think about all of the airbrushed, photoshopped women that you see on the front cover of a magazine as you're checking out at the grocery store or something. This is the standard that every woman and every girl in this world today has to deal with. And so, guys, I would just say to you that you've got a choice when it comes to her insecurities. You, you can feed those by glancing at other women. You can feed those by making inappropriate comments about your girl or about someone else for that matter, or you can build trust by reminding her how beautiful she is on both the inside and the outside. And ladies, I'd say this to you. Uh, every guy at some point in their life feels like a fraud. Every guy feels like a failure. As men, we grow insecure about how well we do our jobs, how we provide for our family, how well we parent. And you can use those securities for leverage in your relationship, or you can build trust by being a voice of encouragement, by using words to, to build your husband, to build that man up in your life instead of tearing them down. I remember when uh, Jenny and I were dating, I, I don't remember how long we had been dating at the time, and uh, we went to see the movie Titanic together. Uh, I'm sure everybody's seen the movie or heard the story. If not, you know, just, just close your ears here. The, the boat sinks, all right? If you, if you don't know it, that's your problem at this point if you, if you don't know how the story ends. Uh, I, I remember vaguely, my, my wife remembers it too. We were sitting there and like the, the boat starts to sink about halfway through the movie and then it sinks for about an hour. And I was so overwhelmed by the storyline that I started crying. Keep in mind, we're dating at the time, but not only crying, I I mean, I, I came unglued, and the tears just kept coming and coming and coming, and, and they wouldn't stop. And, and, and Jenny just kind of gave me this look after a while of, dude, get a grip. Like, it's just, you know, a movie or something. Now, here's the thing. It didn't have anything to do with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate, you know, Winslet and, you know, the blue diamond or the love story or anything like that. In my defense, it was the reality of the people locked at the bottom of the boat and parents saying goodnight to their kids, knowing that they weren't going to see them again. So I'm just standing up up for myself. All right, here a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, so I had some recovery to do, you know, some confidence to build in our relationship coming out, out of that movie. Here's the thing. Jenny knows every one of my insecurities. She knows my flaws. She knows what I'm weak with. And she sees me on my best days and on my worst days. And she loves me in spite of those things. And she encourages me. And so I just say to you, if you're in a dating relationship right now, ask yourself, you know, is this a person that I can trust? Is this a person who will love me for who I am? If you're in your marriage right now, uh, be honest and ask yourself, does my spouse trust me more or less than the day we met? And if not, what am I going to do about that? Verse 7, 
She writes, tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday. Why should I be like a veiled woman? And so I, I just want you to see here clearly that she's pursuing Solomon. She wants to be where he is. And so she asks him then, why should I be like a veiled woman? Now, what does this mean? Well, the veiled women of the day were prostitutes who would give um, themselves to men for a price. And so I just want you to take note of what she's saying. She's basically saying, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to be like one of those women. I'm not going to forfeit my purity for the sake of the pursuit. And that leads to the third quality that I want to share with you today, and that is the quality of higher standards. Uh, we see that this woman has higher standards. And I'll say this. I, I think it's safe to say that 90% of the time in these dating relationships, it's the guy that's pushing the issue. Uh, it's the guy that's pressuring, trying to get the woman to compromise, to compromise sexually. And uh, when we, as men, should be the ones uh, that are protecting the women that we love, the women that we're attracted to. Uh, the Apostle Paul said to a very young Timothy, all right, a minister in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, he was just kind of telling him, hey, here's how you need to handle yourself. He writes this in verse 1. He says, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were a father. Treat younger men as brothers. Now look at what he says about uh, his relationship with other women. He said, older women should be treated as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Guys, strive for godly character in your dating relationships, in your marriage. Be a man with high standards and don't force or pressure any woman in your life to compromise. And ladies, don't trade your purity for the pursuit of the relationship. And if you're in a dating relationship right now, the truth is that you've got a choice to make. And Craig Rochelle says it like this. He says, the reality is that you have two options when it comes to sexual issues in your dating relationships. The first one is this. You can honor God together. You can make that decision. You could decide together that God has established a higher standard and his best for us uh, and what it means to preserve sex for marriage so you can honor God together. The second choice is you could choose to sin together. It's your choice. But for you that desire to establish that higher standard, I would just say this. Don't wait until you and your boyfriend or girlfriend get to a place where you're all alone with no one to disturb you to decide what the priority is going to be for you. Decide today. Establish your standards right now. Because the fact is this. The Bible knows nothing of casual sex uh, because there's no such thing. And what is often referred to and described as casual sex is what one person calls co costly sex. And what's the cost? Well, STDs, unexpected pregnancy, as well as psycho psychological and spiritual scars, add to that, it, it's sin. You can look at it however you choose. Outside of marriage, it's sin. And the problem today is that so many people approach God's gift of sex casually when he knows what's best for us. See, here's the thing. Sexual attraction is inevitable. All right, again, God created it. And it's a good thing. He, he wired us for this kind of attraction. He made our bodies. He made every part and every hormone. And God has a plan, and his plan is best, and it's good. But you have to choose what you're going to do with those attractions. And I want to encourage you to choose a, a higher standard, to choose his way. And let that way influence the decisions you make, the people you date, and the potentially compromising uh, positions and situations you put yourself in. Uh, we'll see this again next week, this verse again next week, but over in Song of Songs, chapter 3, uh, verse 5, we read, Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. She's basically saying, wait until the wedding night. 
That's what it's for. That's how God designed it. See, sex is a beautiful and a wonderful thing, and it's reserved for marriage. And let me add this. I just want to say the obvious, maybe for some of you that are find yourself here right now and you're in a relationship and maybe you've already compromised in this area or maybe you're not dating but you've engaged in these things in your past and, and if you're feeling guilty right now or having some regret or remorse, I, I don't say any of these things to put guilt or blame on you. But know this, know this, you, you can't change the past, all right? None of us has the ability to do that. But I know someone who's already dealt with the past for you and for me. And it's our God. It's the one who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the world to forgive our sins. He died so that we could be redeemed. He died so that we could be made new. And he can give you a new start in your life. And he can give you a new start in your current relationship or a fresh start in your next relationship. John wrote it like this in 1 John 1, 9. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. And he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so if this is an area of your life that you've stumbled in, I'd encourage you to seek his forgiveness and his cleansing. Pray and ask him to help you. You know, get involved with a, a church and with others and discover help from friends that can hold you accountable in these areas. And so uh, for some of you, establishing higher standards, all right, might mean moving out if you're, if you're currently living together right now. It, it probably means no more sleeping over or traveling together or weekend visits to his college campus. And if you find yourself in a situation and he's not willing to change or she's not willing to change, higher standards could mean ending the relationship. Have a high standard when it comes to sex and purity. Seek people who share these same high standards as you. And so back to this woman and her farmer's tan. Uh, we know she's insecure about her skin, but look at, her look at his response to her in verse 8. He says, if you do not know most beautiful of women... Follow the tracks of the sheep and graze your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. So notice here how he now addresses her as most beautiful of women. I don't think he's trying to bribe her here. He's not saying things that she simply wants to hear. He's saying things that she needs to hear. All right, he's being genuine and thoughtful. And so he lets her know that he wants to spend time with her. He wants her to be around, which leads to our fourth quality. Uh, and that is consistent encouragement. You know, someone in your life that is encouraging to you, someone that you're dating that is an encouraging person, uh, claim, you know, strive for encouragement in your marriage. Uh, and what, you, what you'll see again here, you know, in this chapter and throughout this song is just consistent encouragement of one another. Look at verse nine. Yeah, she says, or he says to her, I liken you, my darling, all right? And it was just a very tender term of affection here. Now look what he says next. To a mare among chariots, chariot horses. Now so much for his sensitivity, right? He, he likens her to a horse, all right? All right, to a Clydesdale or something in this moment. Well, maybe not, but, but in this context, here's what he's doing. A pharaoh at the time would have used stallions, the very best stallions, as his chariot horses, all right? And, and stallions are males. And so in this case, what he is saying is putting a mare in the midst of these males, as you can imagine, would cause all sorts of commotion. And so it's Solomon's way of saying, hey, you are one of a kind. And I like what I see. And I love you as you are. And I love everything about you. And so he's encouraging her. And so I'll just say this, as you pray and consider the type of guy or girl that you want to be with, you want to look for people who are encouraging. You want to find someone who is willing to speak truth into your life and not lie to you or mislead you, not tell you things just so that you simply feel better about yourself, but you want to be with someone who, 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 who speaks into your life, someone who points to scripture and reminds you of the kinds of things that God thinks about you. 
Husbands and wives, don't forget about the importance of this encouragement in your marriage. I mean, your encouraging words, again, can make a big difference uh, for your spouse and for your marriage. Uh, Counselor writer Steve Stevens says it like this. He says, a healthy marriage is a safe haven from the tensions of everyday life. He says, we need to hear positive things from our mate. And he goes on to share all these different examples of how we can encourage one another with our words. Words like, good job. Words like, you are wonderful. You look gorgeous today. I'm so thankful that I married you. You're the very best friend that I have. I'd marry you again. I missed you today. It's nice to wake up next to you. I'm so proud to be married to you. How can I pray for you? Thank you for loving me. See, words are powerful. And genuine words can make all of the difference, can make a big difference. And so you need to be with someone who will encourage you. I want to challenge you to be an encourager in your relationships And I just want you to see before we close how these encouraging words are affecting this woman. Skip over to verse 15, if you would. Solomon says to her, how how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. And then look at her response to him. How handsome you are, my beloved. Now, here's what's interesting about this to me. Whereas we open this chapter and meet a woman, a very insecure woman, somewhat insecure woman, her insecurities now vanish in the presence of this man. And notice another thing too. Notice how they're now talking about physical looks. All right, the the physical looks and attraction comes to the front, but, but it's way down on the list of the qualities that are most important. It takes 15 verses to get there. Here's the thing for us. Physical attraction is important, but not the most important. And so what are the qualities that we should look for? Well, if you're single today, I want to encourage you to think about those qualities and the kind of people that you choose to date, men and women with godly character, people that you can trust, a man or a woman that has very high standards and encouraging. And if you're married today, if you're in a marriage relationship, what kinds of qualities? I think we need to ask as we're waiting, maybe if you're single today for that person to come into your life, what are those qualities we want God to produce in us? Godly character that we would be people who are trustworthy with high standards and encouraging. Let me say this and we'll pray and close. As I mentioned up top, while the Song of Songs is a story, a very passionate story of a man and a woman and their love for each other, let's not forget at the very same time that it's also a picture of God and his love for us. And the Bible tells the story and explains for us how Jesus is like the bridegroom and we are his bride and he loves you, and he loves me beyond what we can imagine. And for every one of us, just as we long for relationships, as we long for intimacy, as we long for people to share our lives with, I pray that in even greater ways that you will desire a relationship with the one who will never fail us, the only one who will never let you down, the only one who can fully and completely satisfy you in this world. His name is above all other names. His name is Jesus Christ. And he loves you more than you can imagine. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, uh, we thank you that you have offered us truth, that you have offered us a way to live, uh, to live life uh, in all things, but including in our relationships too. And uh, Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom and guidance and direction now as we go from here. And uh, for those that are single right now, for those that maybe are in a dating relationship, for each of us, Lord, that is married and desires to follow you, I pray that we would seek to be people, that we would 
Look for people who have a godly character or trustworthy or encouraging and people with high standards. And Lord, you know every situation here today. You know every story. You know every circumstance. Uh, Father, we know that you have the ability to step in and to guide and direct us in great ways. I pray for those that just need encouragement today, Lord, that they would find it in you. Those that need wisdom today, that they would ultimately find it in you. And for all of us, Lord, I pray that the relationship that we desire more than anything else would be the one that you've offered us through your son, Jesus Christ, who has made a way. And I pray that we would desire him more than anything. And that would be our ultimate goal. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.